guys, it's Brant, and I'm back with another The Panel Has Spoken video. And today, we're going to be tackling Kiss Unplugged. Uh, even though I love this album, believe it or not, it's not one that I listen to very often. Uh, but every time I do listen to it, I'm always like, why don't I listen to this album more? Because I love it so much. And um, we've, got a, we've got another Brady Bunch panel going on today. We've got Rick from It's All For You Demon. We have... Susan, I was getting ready to call you Sandy. <laughs> call her Shandy. <laughs> Shandy. Yeah, we have Shandy. Uh, we have Sandy. <laughs> oh, God. Rick, there's the bumper at the end, right? Uh-huh. I've been called worse. <laughs> we have Hargal Susan. Susan from Hargal Susan uh, from YouTube. And we have knock, knock, knock down on his head there. We have Matt, the Matthew Smith from Matthew, Sp- Matthew Smith Comics. First thing we want to do is go ahead and get into the album and get into the panel. Because uh, we had 67 on this panel. Unplugged was kind of a, a cool time for me because I remember it was coming off of Revenge. And coming off the Revenge tour, which I loved. And then the next thing you know... They're going to be on Unplugged. And uh, I can't remember if Peter and Ace was actually going to be in the show, but I just remember when they walked out. I can still see that first image of seeing Ace clearing the side of the stage with his Marilyn Monroe shirt on and, and coming out, and, what's going on? You know, just in true, true Ace fashion. And this was what started it all, guys. This was what started the reunion and you have to wonder, was it actually planned from the very beginning? Or was it, hey, Gene saw dollar signs and, wow, let's put the band back together and let's put makeup back on and let's give the fans what they want and make millions of dollars in the process. Um, but this album is a very cool album. It's a very cool time. And I know a lot of you love it. And so I'm glad... And looking forward to us being able to discuss it. Um, so that's about it for me when it comes to Unplugged. What about you, Rick? I also cannot remember if we knew Ace and Peter were going to be there, frankly. I do remember the night it was on and how big it was. And I think it's kind of fun to take yourself back and realize that this was like we didn't know a reunion was going to happen. We just thought this was like a one night thing. Like, Oh cool. Kisses on MTV. And I, I, my wish for the end of the road would have been this like tour a kiss convention. Like they did the 95 conventions tour that and have Bruce, Eric, Tommy, there, Peter, Ace, have everyone back and do acoustic shows. I, I think that would have been this. This album is so magical. I think that that would have been a magical tour. And some, sometimes you wish the reunion wouldn't have happened because everything got messy. And this night is special. Mm. What about you, Susan? Um, well, I remember seeing this. I don't know if it was when it originally aired, but I remember seeing it. But I, wherever I put it. I got this much later and 
I just remember, again, I, I have no idea whether it was planned or not at the time. I don't remember, but I was really excited that it was everyone and just that everybody could jam together. There was no weirdness. I mean, in this moment, it just, I, if there was, they covered it up really well (laughs) that, that there was just no awkwardness between anybody. Everybody was just jamming and having a good time. And that's kind of, I mean, also that's kind of like my feeling about Kiss is I'm not one way or the other. I'm like, why can't we celebrate everybody? They're all great musicians. Sometimes people have conflicts, you know? I mean, I, you know, I know from a personal level that, that sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with how great somebody is or whatever. It's, it's, you know, how can you do these things? And it was just really good to see everybody together. And I just remember being so excited that it was like the best of both worlds because you still had that kind of showmanship of, of kiss, but they didn't have the makeup and, but they still had the staging and, you know, the rock and roll over on the floor and the mannequins and you know, all of that. And so it was just, it was really cool because it was really intimate, but it was still that like grand scale kiss, you know? So I, I just, I love the whole album. It was really hard for me to do this one because I'm like, I I don't know. On Tuesday, I like this one better, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so, and before we go on, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little about your channel. Oh, um, I'm Horror Gal on YouTube, uh, youtube.com forward slash Horror Gal Susan. Um, I, I love horror. This is Halloween. I don't know if you can see it, but this is Halloween. This is just, I'm on the, I'm on the sofa right now. But I'm also a big Kiss fan, and I have been since I was a kid. And so I, my channel... My channel did not go the way I planned. I had a lot going on in life and everything. So there's like a lot of unboxings and stuff like that. Some movie reviews and that sort of thing. I like to refer to myself as technologically challenged. But um, but I enjoy YouTube and I enjoy the community of YouTube. And I was so excited because I had mentioned, you know, that I was a Kiss fan. I had like a Paul Stanley figure in, in you know, with my, one of my bookshelves that I film in front of and that kind of thing. And so I decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to make a video. And then I found this whole entire KISS community on YouTube that I feel kind of like a moron for not having, like, looked and realizing. But I was so excited. So I, I'm really happy to be here and see you guys. And it's just so cool. And I think that there are a lot of, you know, kind of like 80s horror fans and that sort of thing that, that really do love KISS as well or vice versa. A lot, and I think part of it probably has to do with like effects makeup and that kind of thing, and just theatrics in general, and like incorporating that into your performance to just really give like the visual as well as the audible, you know, excitement. So, so yeah, so that's where I'm on all the platforms, all of them: Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, uh, Horror Amino. I'm all Horror Gal Susan everywhere. You can find me. It's not hard. <laughs> awesome. So what about you, Matthew? Uh, well, I think my experience with this album was a little bit different than everybody else's. This was actually the first Kiss album I bought on CD. Um, I was, uh, I think, 16 when this this came out, when the Unplugged special hit and everything. So the last album I bought on cassette was Alive 3, and then this was the first album I bought on CD. Um, I didn't have MTV at the time. We lived kind of out in the country, but my sister had MTV. And I seem to recall... The MTV kind of spoiled it on commercials with mm. with Ace and, and Peter, but maybe I'm remembering commercials after the original broadcast, and they were like repeat performances. They were kind of showcasing that. I can't remember, but I 
I missed the original and I remember I, I caught it at my sister's house when it when it aired. But yeah, I love the CD and I, I loved how they, you know, they didn't pick the stereotypical tracks. You know, the, you, you had a lot of, you know, deeper cuts on this and everything. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I was 16 when this came out. So you got to think a lot of people that were my age at that time, they weren't really into Kiss. And, you know, a lot of people shrugged off Kiss. You know, they said, oh, rock and roll, no, that song sucks, you know, and they that was it, you know. I felt like this album really showcased what they could do. Because, I mean, this is really stripped down. You get to hear each instrument and how how good they all are, you know. And I was like, okay, look, listen to this and tell me they suck, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So I, I love this album, though. Yeah, and a little bit about your comics, a little bit about what you do. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm. Uh, I've been doing comic books now for about ten years. I've had some published by uh, publishers and everything. And right now, my fiance Casey and I we have a uh, a horror comic anthology horror magazine called Blood Drenched Creature Double Feature. Uh, we've had two issues out so far. We're working on the next three issues to come out later this year. Um, each issue has uh, you know two short horror comics between eight to twelve pages, and then interviews with different people in the horror community. So we we have uh, some good interviews lined up for the next few issues and everything. We'll be doing a Kickstarter for those pretty soon. We kind of put it on the back burner for now during all this coronavirus stuff, you know, and and wait until everything gets more to normal before we did the Kickstarter. But uh, yeah, you can find us online though. We or Saturday Comics, but I also have personal Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and stuff, and I'm on there. So okay, cool. Yeah. Um... I was 27 when this came out. I didn't mention that. I was 27. I'd been married for five years and had two kids, uh, two small yeah. kids, um, two kids under the age of three by the time this album came out. So my rock and roll days were on hold, on hiatus for a while. I was working a factory job, working about um, 60 hours a week. And so um, music was still important, but it wasn't. There was a lot more things in my life at this point in time. I would like for somebody, if you're watching at this point in time, down in the comments, if you remember whether it was spoiled, did we know Ace and Peter was going to be on this, or was we all shocked equally whenever they came walking out? Because many moons has passed since then, and I've seen the video and I've seen the album hundreds of times uh, since then, so I can't remember, honestly. So let's get into the panel. Um, before we get into that, I want to mention something else about the album. Some people on the panel was they were they included, um, "Come on and love me," and because one of the press scenes and some of the box sets had "Come on and love me" on it, some of the vinyl had "Come on and love me" on it, but we didn't include that. I kind of went by the official release, which is what most people put in fifteen tracks. But Kiss did kind of, in a way, perform five other songs in partial because if you go, and, and all these videos are available on YouTube, if you go and watch, they had a little bit of a set change when they brought out the orchestra to do Every Time I Look at You. And they had another set change where they brought out the other drum set for Peter. Because if you notice, during the whole first part, Peter's drum set isn't even over there. It's blank. And it's not that it's over there and covered up or anything like that. It's just not there. So they had a so they had a couple of times where they had to do a set change, and that stuff don't happen instantly. And Kiss was 
instead of just going off the stage, which I think is really cool, they hung out on the stage and they played songs for the crowd. And they did the country version of God of Thunder, which I think is absolutely amazing. <laughs> it is so fun to hear Gene do the whole yeehaws and then start talking about when I was a boy growing up in the mountains of Tennessee, you know, doing that is just so amazing to hear him do that. Um, they did come on and love me, which I wish would have made it to the, to the actual official release because come on and love me is a great song. They do a great version. They actually did spit too. They did a very rocking version of spit to hear that played on acoustics was really cool. Um, but Paul didn't sing any of his vocals. Uh, he didn't sing the bigger the cushion, the better the pushing. He didn't sing. They didn't sing. I want a whole lot of woman or anything like that. But Gene would start singing. This shows how how big revenge was during this time. Gene would start singing, and the crowd would finish the lyrics for him. He would quit singing, and the crowd would take up and start singing the song for him. So you could tell they had not just a bunch of people they picked off the street. They had hardcore fans who knew the lyrics to Spit. I mean, and of course I love Spit. Um, they did Hard Luck Woman with Paul on vocals, which I kind of wish it would have made it cause to the uh, release because it felt kind of weird not hearing Peter or somebody with a raspy voice sing that. And they did the first 10 seconds, the opening well of Heaven's on Fire. Paul was trying to show that he still had it. And at the time, he did. Uh, so they did the opening well of Heaven's on Fire. Like, it's a whole 13 seconds long. Um, so there's five songs that they did that is not included during this panel. We have 15 songs from the original CD release. Um, speaking of those panel members, we have, of course, myself, Rick, Hargal, Susan, and Matthew Smith uh, heading, heading the panel. From Facebook, we have Buckwheat. Um, Robin K, Matt Yuchi, Keith Nidu, and my childhood friend Scotty Sky. Instagram, we have Tony P, True Dan 16, Dylan Tucker, AJ Zetro 1975, JK, GLK 19, and BizBag 68. From Twitter, we have Aladio, Darren Heliwell, Darren Heliwell, Kimchi Chris, and Kimchi Chris, for you Kimchi Chris fans, he has a great channel. And he gave me a shout-out on the video he did of restructuring Hot in the Shade. Thank you, brother. And he is going to be in an upcoming panel video. So be on the lookout for that if you're a Kimchi Chris fan. Sam Loomis, Tony Rod, Tom Dust, my boy Tom Dust, giving us all those riffs he does, those videos he does. Thank you, Tom. Those are amazing. Uh Eric Mosiu, Steve Hardy, Bill Sharp, Jack Skellington, Jeff Wyatt, Bob Nash, David King, Kyle Schneider, D88 Racing, Julie Dave, Julian Davies. From YouTube, we have Jay Lee, Two Gay Dads, Sandy Graziano, Perpetual Art, Daniel Beers, Mikel D, John B. Good. John B. Good's going to be in another video coming up. Brian Stacy, Stephen Goodman, Super Kiss 1200, Emily Graziano, Joel Pegg, Jeremy Kamona, Travis Mulgard. That Toy Bonnie guy, Rick R., Les Wadley. I'm trying to get Les in a video. And, and Tom, I tried to get Tom in a video, but he said he was too shy. So I told him, I said, you can you can just show us from the, from the neck down. He's, but he, he's, not, he's not having it. Um, he's really tall. <laughs> yeah. uh, Les Wadley, Jesse Ray, Roger Bennett, Brian Foster, Amy W., Jay Reed, Scott Epperly, D8 Threshold, D. Clan Morrison, 
John O, Raven FM, Raw Barber. Mm-hmm. I think that's a new one of our new panel members. Trevor Bullock, Kiss Carolina, Sublime One Thirty, Gregory Pegg, Indy Colt Seven Seven Seven, Dwight Manning, Greek Freak. So that is all of us. And I think Buckwheat was new too. I don't remember saying Buckwheat before. All right. Predictions for number fifteen. Starting with Rick. I predicted the panel would say Domino. Susan, what's your uh, prediction for my, the panel? My prediction for 15 um, was Beth. Um, my prediction was Rock and Roll at Night. My prediction was A World Without Heroes. And I want to go ahead, and I'm, I don't know if I'm speaking for everybody, but I'm, I want to speak for myself. There's not a song on this album I don't like. They could have made this a double album. There's so many other Kiss songs they could have put on here as well, but there's not one on here that I'm like, man, I wish they wouldn't have done that one. I love all these because every their their interpretation, their acoustical interpretation of some of these songs, I love that they did all of them the way they did. And I do take that back. There is one song on here I kind of wish they hadn't have done. And Rick probably kind of already knows what it is. But, I'm trying um, to think. Hold on. Hold on. Look down through it. I I think I know. I'll I think say I might get know. to it. <laughs> There's one From on 1982. Here. There's one on here. I don't care for performed live in any way, shape, or form. But, okay. So. <laughs> oh, I want to know. <laughs> you'll find out. All right. So, the panel for 15 chose at 366 points they chose every time i look at you rick r picked every time i look at you as his uh number one i picked every time i look at you as my seventh favorite uh it's midway on the album for me it could be a a three or a four song um I love this version of it. I probably actually like this version of it better than the Revenge version because Paul doesn't embellish quite as much. Uh, I, yeah, I actually enjoy this version. There's several songs on here I actually enjoy a little more than their studio album counterparts. And every time I look at you is one of them. So it's number seven for me. What about you, Rick? It's number 11 for me. Um, such a uh, beautiful moment when those strings come in. It's kind of magical and like like you said i like it more than the revenge version for me it was number nine but depending it could have been like six or seven like you said it could you know it could be higher it just kind of depends on my mood but um like you said that i mean i like that version better as well so so yeah i mean i'm i'm a fan of the song um but it's just so hard. this album is just so hard because i like everything mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I rank this at number six. It, it's a mid-range, but it's like a higher one for me because I, I think it's it's definitely better than the regular studio version. Everything you guys were saying, the you know the the strings coming in and just it uh, acoustic fits this song much better, I think, than than the studio version. And um, yeah, hard how hard album to rank because I mean, you know, I could listen to this again and and change the ranking for that song, but number six for this. All right, so that takes us to number fourteen. Um, what's your prediction for 14? What the panel would choose, Rick? I thought it was going to be every time I look at you. I thought it was going to be Domino. Okay. Um, I said, do you love me? And I said, see you tonight. At number 14, 
with 395 points, the panel chose Domino. I got it right. Yep, you got it right. Uh, Sandy Graziano picked Domino as her favorite song on the album. I picked Domino 8th. I actually like this version. Um, I wish I would have had this Gene vocal with the Revenge music. I think Gene delivers better outside of, out, out from under Bob Ezrin's producing. Uh, I think he delivered the vocals better on this um, on this version. But I wish I could have had the crunchy electric guitars under it. Even though it's an electric guitar song, it it play it, they pulled it off very well, and it amazes me how well Bruce Kulick does a lot of these electrical, originally electrical leads on this guitar on on an acoustic guitar. It shows him and him and Eric really show how well they can play their instruments and how good they are. All four members show their you know their ability to be able to play and not be hiding behind a bunch of distortion uh, <laughs> rick's gonna hate number, it <laughs> it's it's uh, it's number 15 for me uh, <laughs> like you said i mean i don't like the song on revenge and so i don't like it here either but to your point i mean i love this lineup i love that revenge lineup and bruce and eric are such good musicians they bring so much to these songs and i just i love this lineup this lineup was just hugely special to me and for that i will listen to the song it's not like i hate it but it's just not it's my least favorite played song on the album um it's seven for me because i i'm kind of i'm kind of i kind of walk the the midline with this song too but I really like this arrangement of it and this version of it. And I think that's probably why when I'm initially like trying to rank everything, like every time I look at you, it lends itself more to an acoustic arrangement, like just musically and melodically. So it's kind of more expected, I think. So I, I didn't expect that I would like it uh, this much. And so I think that's how it, it went to number seven for me. <laughs> yeah, same with me. Uh, number seven. Um, I, kind of the same. <laughs> I, I, I agree with the same what you said exactly. It's uh, you know, I, I like this better than the studio version. I was surprised that I liked it more. And you know, honestly, the way that you know Bruce's guitar sounds, it almost has like a country vibe to it slightly. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I liked it a lot. So number seven. Okay, I think I found it interesting when I started compiling that the two mo more recent songs. Uh, scored the lowest on our panel. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like the panel favored the classics uh, and the two more recent songs uh, fell low. Okay, so that brings us to number 13. 2000 Man. Uh, rock and Roll All Night. Okay. Uh, I said Beth. I said Beth too, Matthew Twinsies. Yep. All right. At... 402 points breaking into the 400s. 402 points. The panel for number 13 chose I Still Love You. Four panelists, Raul Barber, Brian Stacy, Eric Mosiu, and one of our hosts picked I Still Love You as their favorite song. I picked 
this as my Rick. I did, this is the one that you wish was left off, right? I picked this as my 15th <laughs> song. <laughs> I can actually listen to this song and I'm enjoying it. And I love the solo. The solo on this is amazing. Bruce pulls it off amazingly. I love it being stripped down to just being the very beginning, though all those minor notes and that and Gene's bass when it comes in, that ominous boom coming in. I can listen to this song up until I stay <laughs> yep. click. I mean it, it's before it gets to that. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot take it after that. As soon as it comes out of the solo, I usually hit next. You oh. didn't even get to the most ridiculous part, though, when he's like, Isn't he, like, convulsing, like, on the stage? Yeah. Like, it got a little dramatic. It was like, <laughs> all right, sir. Cut. <laughs> yeah. Singer's dramatic? Nah. <laughs> but I want to hear what the rest of you did. I want to hear the person, the host that scored it one. I want to hear why. And it's not me. I scored it at 13. Uh, it's a haunting performance. Very haunting. But as you said, a little too vocal, exercisey. I wish they would have dumped this and added Shandy. Yes, personally. totally. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Good suggestion. Shandy would have been perfect acoustic. Oh, yeah. And what a deep track. Considering there are some deep tracks on here, that would have been a perfect deep track. Even though Shandy was a a video release and a single, it's still considered a deep track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? What about you, Sandy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sandy, Shandy, anything with S. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm the one who picked it as my number one. But here's the thing. I am very emotionally tied to music. I'm very sentimental with my picks a lot of times. So for me, it's not necessarily this version, which I know I'm breaking the rules. It's supposed to be about this version of it. But to me, I, I love very complex songs that take you through an arc of emotion musically and i i love songs that are very i don't know how to say this like they're very painful and heartbreaking but at the same time they're kind of badass so when i'm looking at it i'm looking at the musical structure of the song the arc of emotion and then vocally what's going on i am somebody though i just want it on record i hate when people do a bunch of vocal runs and all that crap, I can't listen to it. I will not. I, I won't. I can't. Creatures is my favorite Kiss album, so I'm just going to throw that out there. And this is my favorite song because I really feel like it is probably like one of the most badass rock ballads ever written. And I know that when he does it live, you know, but honestly, vocally, people expect that. If you don't do that, they they get mad. If you do it, they're going to get mad. So, you know, that's just how it is. Like you said, I love the original version. That's my favorite on Creatures. I just, I can listen to it a million times, never get sick of it. But because I'm so tied to that song, I'm just like, it's on there. It's number one. That You know, that's, 
that's going to be me. I, you know, it's just with certain songs, I'm just always going to be like, I don't care. It's there. It's that's my favorite, you know? So Matthew, what about you? Um, I rank this as number eight. Um, and you know, my notes here kind of echo what you guys are saying. I put great until Paul overdoes it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I like the song a lot. You know, I've loved it since creatures. In fact, it's one of the first kiss songs I memorized all the lyrics to as a kid. You know, I just liked it a lot. I don't know why I was very young, but I still liked it. But, you know, I liked it on here. I like this version of it, this, you know, arrangement, but then like you said, when Paula starts hitting those notes, it's kind of like, oh, you know, just it's it's too much for me personally. So it, it would have been a lot higher if not for all that. So, but number eight. Uh, so yeah. that brings us up to number 12. So what is the predictions for number 12? Rock and roll all night. Uh, <laughs> I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I put a uh, see you tonight. Okay. Mine was, Do You Love Me? Um, and what the panel chose at number 12 with 409 points, believe it or not, the panel chose Rock and Roll All Night. Um, three panel members, Emily Graziano, Declan Morrison, and Raven FM, uh, picked it as their first. And Rick, you got this one right. I saw you doing the fist bump there. Uh, I picked Rock and Roll All Night as my second favorite song on this album. Uh, I'm not a big fan, if you know me. I'm not a big fan of the song Rock and Roll All Night. I think to be a Kiss anthem, it's very overrated. And there's so many other songs out there that could be better Kiss anthems. Uh, but this version of Rock and Roll All Night, the way it's stripped down, but even though it's stripped down to acoustic, you've got all, you've got three acoustic guitars playing with Ace, Bruce, and and Paul. You've got two drummers playing. You got Gene playing, and then all four original members take a turn on vocals. And this song to me became a little more special, uh, and I love this version of it. This is probably my favorite version of Rock and Roll All Night. Uh, so it is my second favorite on the album. What about you, Rick? Number 10 for me. As you said, it's a celebration song. Even though we all probably can't stand this song anymore because we've heard it so many times. You know, listening to it on this record, listening to it on the end of the road, you just you just get happy and you smile ear to ear because you are celebrating this history with the band and having ace and peter both sing a line was amazing and you how can you not love that what about you sharon <laughs> i was just waiting um uh i i have it as 13 now here's the thing though i even though all this great stuff is happening with the version it's kind of intimate but it's still kind of I don't know. For some reason, it just uh, and everybody doing the vocals—that's great. But for some reason, it just—it felt disconnected to me. It felt a little <coughs> disconnected. I don't know. So for me, it—it it was my thirteen. Well, don't worry about ranking at thirteen because they'll come after me because I said fifteen on this one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, not that I dislike it. Like I like I said before, every song on this album is great. Yeah. It just. 
I guess to me, I, I'm not a huge fan of this song for all the reasons you were saying, Brent, you know, just, it's just, it felt like, I, I don't know, I guess I shouldn't have ranked it this low because of that, but it just felt like a safe play to me. It was expected they were going to do this song. It, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was expected they would do it with, with all the original members. You know, it was just, and I think that's why, you know, not that I hated or anything, it just felt like I, I could see it coming a mile away, you know? Not that it's bad, but so. But number 15, because there's 14 others I like better. (laughs) But it's one of those songs that was a damned if they do or damned if they didn't. If they hadn't have done rock and roll all night and put it on here, everybody would have been like, what? No rock and roll all night? What the hell? Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, it's almost like they had to put it on there. All right, so that brings us up to number 11. Rock bottom. Plaster caster. Okay. Uh, I said I still love you. I said I still love you too. All right. I still love you as well. <laughs> we all still love each other. <laughs> and hopefully we'll still love each other by the time we get done. I'm sure we will. Uh, at number 11 with 447 points, the panel chose World Without Heroes. Ooh. Only one panel Ooh. member, John Howard, picked this as their um number one i picked world without heroes as my 14th basically because if you want to talk about going deep this is probably one of the deepest tracks on the album they played a song off an album that they themselves do not even like (laughs) that is deep that's about the deepest cut you can get on here people think things like going blind and coming home or deep cuts no no the deepest cut on here is unless I'm overlooking something, the deepest cut on here that I can think of is World Without Heroes. But it this is one that felt kind of disconnected and forced to me. Even though I like the song, I rated I ranked it down at, at 14 for me. I ranked it at number five. I think um, looking at the 95 convention, there was a lot of uh, request for Elder material, and they they never really pulled it off. They always kind of just half, you know did a little song, and so I think that's why you put yourself back to this night in 1996. Yeah, probably. Hearing a song from The Elder, that was like, holy crap. Wow. I mean, this is stuff that we never thought. And also, if you think about it, like Extreme Close-Up had just previously come out. That was the last long-form video, and that had the video to A World Without Heroes, so Hearing it acoustically live to me was a was a holy crap moment. So yeah, number five. Yeah, I think I've probably dis- disconnected myself too much from the era because if you, you're saying that, it makes sense now. All right, Susan. Um, <laughs> yay! Um, I have it at number eleven. I that this version of it was the first version of it I had ever heard at the time, and then when I heard the recorded version. I mean, though it's good, to me, the recorded version sounded a little more dated, and I felt like it, in the way that I heard it, and maybe because I heard this first, that it lended itself more to the acoustic version. So, I don't know. But it just landed at number 11 for me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with Rick on this one. It was number five for me as well. Um, You know, I've always liked this song a lot. Um, When I was a kid, you know, I mean, the first time I ever saw Kiss on TV was when they were on Fridays and they performed the songs, you know, from The Elder. And I've always liked the song since then. So 
I loved it. I love this arrangement of it. And you're right. It does lend itself to an acoustic version. Um, you know, the, it, it easily could be higher any day of the week if I, if I re-rank this. So that's number five on this one, though. So that brings us to the top ten. Top ten prediction, number ten. I still love you. Uh, 2000, man. Um, I said every time I look at you. And I said domino. What the panel chose at 455 points at number 10, they chose Beth. Five panel members, D88 Racing, that Toy Bonnie guy, Amy W, Sublime 130, and Dwight Manning picked Beth as their number one song. I picked Beth as my 12th song, 12th favorite song. Um, I've never been the biggest fan of Beth, uh, but this is probably, I'd probably like this version better than the version on the Destroyer album, the version, the version on Alive 2, which is basically the same thing. Uh, and I probably like it as equally as the version with the actual symphony from Melbourne. One of the panel members said it, it had a striking resemblance to the version of Beth we get from Phantoms, which is one of the reasons why I think I like it so much is because it's an acoustic version of Beth that reminds me of that scene from the Phantoms. So um, I think it's good. I mean, it was one of those that was kind of, they gave Ace a song to sing. They're going to give Peter a song to sing. What song is Peter going to sing? This would not have been the time and place for them to pull out Hooligan or Baby Driver because the songs just don't lend themselves to like being acoustic songs. Um, number nine for me, the it's absolutely beautiful. And as you said, total Phantom of the Park. I mean, I just picture Melissa like in the audience of that unplugged thing, just like getting up and wandering around, you know, <laughs> looking for Sam. Um, the, uh, Going to the bathroom. The solo, <laughs> yeah. The solo in this, the solo is so beautiful. And, and, and when Peter, I, I sucker moment, but when Peter reaches out and kind of touches everyone at the end, I mean, yeah. That, that's you're just sold right then. So it's such a cool moment in history. And then it all got messy, but such a cool moment that night. Mm-hmm. Here's where it gets rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm scared. Unpopular opinion. It was my 15. I just, I mean, it's it's a beautifully written song, but I just feel like I don't know. I, I've just never connected with this song. I've just never been a huge fan of the song. It's beautiful on it, but I just still, I don't know. For some reason, it just doesn't really ever reach me that much. I mean, even on the end of the road tour, I mean, I know Eric's doing it and it's Peter and the, the whole nine, but, you know, them coming around the piano or whatever. But I, I, I maybe lyrically, I just feel like it's a little, like, um, contrived. Leave all the hate in my comments, not his. <laughs> but yeah, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I really, I have no explanation other than it, it is a beautiful song and it was a great moment, but it's just not, it's, it's not in my top 14. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat that I was with the Rock and Roll Night. So this is number 14 for me. I mean, it, it was a safe play. You knew it was going to happen, you know, and 
like Brant was saying, you know, if they didn't do it, they're gonna be like, what? They had Peter back on stage. They didn't do Beth. Why? Yeah. You know, it, it was just expected. But at the same time, I do agree with what Rick was saying. Like, you know, when Peter does, you know, me and the boys will be playing, you know, that's kind of, you know, a, a nice moment. Not not a bad song, you know, not a bad choice, but just predictable. And, you know, they, they did give Ace 2000 Man, which I don't know. I think there's more popular songs they could have given Ace. They could have given Peter Hard Luck Woman to do on here, you know. They could have done that. But they're not going to. They're not going to pass up Beth for that. So, regardless, number 14 for me. Yeah. Whenever, whenever Peter puts his arms and Gene Blurt turns and looks at him, and if you look close enough, you can see little dollar signs go cha-ching, <laughs> cha-ching, yeah. right in Gene's eyes. Um, it, it is, Brant, you had mentioned this in, in reviews before. It is strange to think that the you know, multi-millionaire Gene and Paul didn't exist that night. They did not exist that night. They were, were very well off. But the, you know, machine Gene and Paul didn't exist that night. The reunion made that happen. Mm-hmm. So it, it, is, it is crazy to put yourself back on this night and realize how kind of bare bones it was. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to number nine. World Without Heroes. Oh, I had World Without Heroes, too. I had World Without Heroes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Brant. Plaster caster. <laughs> you said World Without Heroes wrong. <laughs> uh, let's see. At 463 points, the panel chose for number nine, Do You Love Me? No panelists picked it as their favorite. Um, I picked Do You Love Me as my 10th. Uh, this is one of those songs that I I like. Do you love me? I liked it on Destroyer. Uh, I don't understand why um, it's not being involved. I know a lot of people don't like this song. Um, one of my childhood friend I think picked it last. He doesn't like this song. Um, he thinks it's Paul being a little too egocentrical. Uh, but um, he, I, I like it, and I like this version. Because they took a flat-out rock song and they turned it into a an acoustic rock song. And I love the chords during the bridge when he's saying your backstage pass and black sunglasses make you look just like a queen. I love that whole part of this song. Um, I got I kind of get turned off by the, I just got to know, do you really, 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 really? You know, I kind of, when Paul embellishes, I always get a little turned off by it. But that's Paul. Love it or hate it, that's Paul. But for me, Do You Love Me is my 10th. This is number 14 for me. I just, I'd never liked, I was never a fan of this song on Destroyer. Not, not a fan of it live and just not a fan of it on Unplugged. Unpopular opinion. Um, I have it as number four, but I'm not actually a huge fan of this song, but I just like the version of it better. I mean, except like you said, yeah, the little overindulgences and stuff. But I, I actually thought, oh, I, I like this version of it. So it surprised me. So I think that's why it, it's up there more for me. <laughs> yeah. um, it's number 12 for me. Um, it's not that I dislike it or anything, but there's a, there's a range between on my list between I Still Love You and Beth with songs that are good on this, but they're just kind of like, 
you know, they're just there. You know, I, I like them. I don't dislike them. And they could swap numbers anytime. There's a, a section I like at the top of really good songs. And these are just, they're there. They're good. They're, you know, I'm not going to skip them, but it's nothing, you know, I'm going to go crazy over. So number 12 for me. Okay. All right. So let's bring this up to number eight. See you tonight. I had every time I look at you. Okay. I don't know. I felt like people were going to think something about the, the acoustic arrangement of the love song situation. <laughs> I said a uh, plaster caster for eight. Okay. I said every time I look at you for eight. Um, oh, we're twinsies. Uh, at 464 <laughs> points, one point above Do You Love Me. Um, at number eight, the panel chose plaster caster. So we're kind of our darts are kind of hitting in the area. If you're if you're paying attention, um, no panelists pick Plaster Caster as their favorite song. I pick Plaster Caster as my fourth favorite song on this album. I love Plaster Caster, uh, the stu- the original studio version. I love it, and I love this version too. This is one of those songs. It just sounds so good starting off with that acoustic bass, that do 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 And the chords in this, they just lend themselves so beautifully to being acoustic. And and I love the way Gene sings. Anytime I get a, a vocal performance where Gene can go, my love is in her hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I just love when Gene is being Gene. And he is singing the way Gene sings. Um, Because the cool thing is a lot of people, they give Paul Stanley a lot of credit for his vocal abilities. But if you really think about it, Paul Stanley is a great singer. And he is. I'm not, or was, a great singer. And I'm not sliding him one bit for that. And he is the best songwriter in Kiss. I've said that many times. But he cannot do, even though he has a wider range of course, I wish he would stay out of up here sometimes. Gene Simmons can do more with his voice than Paul Stanley can. Gene Simmons can give his voice different textures and different, and the way he says words differently. He will say one word in one song one way and say it differently in another. It's, is he singing as the sex crazed Gene, as the demon Gene, as just the regular guy Gene? Is he being the Beatles Gene? Is he, what Gene is he going to be? And I love that Gene has a multifaceted voice and different stylings that he sings. So um, Plaster Caster is, is number four for me. I love this song on this album. It's number 12 for me. And it's just another put yourself back to that night. Like you're hearing a song that you never thought you would hear live. And it, to me, that, that was pretty special. I had it at number 14. I mean, I like the song. I can't really, I have zero explanation of how or why it really landed there. I mean, kind of, kind of like Matthew was saying, like certain sections, you could just kind of flip them around or whatever. Um, I, I like it. It was just, there were others that I, that I enjoyed his vocal more or just better on this particular album. Yeah, I ranked at number nine, and this is there's two songs on my list, and this is one of them where I, looking back on it, I should have ranked it higher, and I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> Something about when I was listening to it made my list, I just ranked it a little lower. But 
looking at this now, I definitely should have ranked higher for everything that Brent was saying for all the same reasons. Like it, it great. It starts off great. You know, Gene gives a powerful vocal performance there and, you know, he, he does get that in my hand, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, number nine, but it should have been higher. All right. So we inched our way up. We are up to number seven. Beth. Uh, nothing to lose. Domino. For number seven, I predicted that the panel was going to choose 2000 man. Um, what they actually chose at number seven with 555 points breaking into the 500s, the panel chose number seven, See You Tonight. Uh, four panelists, Drew Dan, 16, Mikkel D, Super Kiss, 1200, and one of our hosts picked See You Tonight as their number one song. I picked See You Tonight as my 11th song, and... That is not a reflection on this song whatsoever. It's just there are 10 songs above it that I ranked higher because I love See You Tonight on Gene's solo album. It's one of my favorite songs on his solo album. And it's and it's actually one of my favorite songs on this album too. This could easily be a, a two or a three or a four for me. It's just it got, had other twos and threes that pushed, ones and twos and threes that pushed it down to 11. But I just... This is that, once again, going back, the vocal that you hear in this song is not the same type of vocal that you heard in Plastercaster. This is the Beatles side of Gene. And mm -hmm. I love that Gene can do this with his voice. Um, so, yeah, see you tonight. Great song. It's my number one. And not because the, the song isn't a number one stellar song. It's just, I'm very much from a horror gal, Shaniqua, um, <laughs> horror gal, Susan mode, of the way, the way Susan was with, I still love you yes. is, is the way I am with this song. Gene's solo album just means the, the world to me. It's my safe place I go to, you know, and, and hearing this version he hits that beetle moment and it's just beautiful to me. And so it's my number one, all for horror gal Susan reasons. <laughs> um, it's, it's my number eight, but like you said, Rick, I mean, this could easily be like my number, like four, I would say. Um, I, I love Gene's vocal on it. I just, I really dig the song. And like you said, his solo album, I mean, it, it was great. It was just, it was kind of, you know, I mean, I don't know at that exact time, but for me, it was kind of almost unexpected. And some of, you know, like you were talking about him being so versatile and everything. And I, I just really love this version of it. Um, I rank this number 13, and this is my other one besides Plastercaster that I should have ranked higher, and I don't know why. Um, it, it is great acoustic. It's a good song, you know, in general. And uh, again, I don't know why I ranked it so low, but I should have ranked it much higher. Um, everything that Rick was saying, I agree with. You know, it's 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 just great here too, and it's a nice little nod to some of the deeper cuts. So that brings us up to number six. Nothing to lose. Uh, see you tonight. Uh, I said rock bottom. And I said sure know something. 
Okay, so at 593 points, at number six, the panel chose 2,000 man. Three panel members, Travis Mulgard, Scott Epperly, and one other host, picked this as their favorite track on the album. The other person is me. And I know, no, I know Blue Kool-Aid, drink Blue Kool-Aid. Um, <laughs> I just think this is, in my opinion, um, and I know they've got other songs on here that were rock songs like uh, Do You Love Me, Domino, Rock and Roll All Night, songs that rock bottom, songs that were rock songs, Nothing to Lose, things like that that were rock songs. But to me, 2000 Man, it is off of Dynasty, the studio version off of Dynasty, is one of my favorite rocking ace songs. Um, and for them to rearrange that and make that acoustic and pull it off and make it sound what I think is really great with everybody playing. And I like that they didn't, when Ace and Peter came out, that they didn't make Bruce and Eric go away. This has the solo by Ace, and but Bruce is playing right there alongside him, and you have Peter and Eric both playing the drums, so it is the collective kiss of the time with um, you know, the, the former previous original members. And I just think they pull it off great. So I love Two Thousand Man on here. It's my it's the one it's the one track that I look forward to the most when I put this C D in. <laughs> it's number eight for me. It was uh it was another, you know, I sound like a broken record on this, but put yourself back in that night and you're like, holy crap, it's Ace. It's they're playing a song from Dynasty. And Ace is just Ace is like not not to caddy corner on this being a stone song, but Ace is like Keith Richards. Mm-hmm. He's cool and he doesn't even have to try. And that it cut it flows from him naturally in this performance. Just I mean, the t shirt and the and the button up shirt over it unbuttoned and his like rock and roll bracelets on. He's just cool. And it comes through in this performance. And maybe maybe it's because he's not in makeup. You see Ace for being Ace. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not he's not the space ace at this point. And to me, it was just a, it was a great moment on this this night. Well, I I agree with Rick. It came in at my number twelve. Um, but again, you know, I love every song on this album. But just like he said, he's he's just so cool. And I've seen Ace live, you know, solo and that kind of thing. And and he's just he's just great to watch. Just just let him do his thing. And. I really, I really like it. I think maybe in the back of my mind, just because it's, it's more of, you know, a, you know, it's a cover stones and everything. I, I kind of, I think maybe I, I kind of put that on it more than I should. You know what I mean? Because it, it, it was great on dynasty and it's, it's great here. And like Rick said, just seeing him being able to do it, just, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I put this as number four. This is, in my opinion, the best with the, you know, when Peter and Ace came out, the best song they did with them on stage. It, it was great for all the reasons that Brian already said, you know, and just yeah. <clears throat> the guitar work was amazing on it. And I realized on my list, I actually wrote 2020 Man. 
So I guess <laughs> I guess Ace has to do a quarantine version of it now, like and rewrite the lyrics. <laughs> I'm the Corona man. <laughs> but yeah, number four. I loved it. Okay, so that brings us into the top five. What is the prediction for number five, Rick? Do you love me? Um, rock bottom. Uh, I put 2000 man for number five. Okay. I put rock bottom uh, for my prediction from number five. And coming in at 648 points, going into the 600s, 648 points at number five, the panel chose rock bottom. So we got it right, Sandy. <laughs> uh, you know, I you say that I think of Greece. I don't know why. <laughs> Sandy, uh, tell me about it, stud. Three panelists: JKG, LK19, Brian Foster, and Trevor Bullock picked Rock Bottom as their um, favorite song. I picked Rock Bottom ninth, um, just because that's where it got pushed down to. I loved how they did the solo at the the little intro. They cut it short. They played it just the right amount of time. Um, it would have been nice to see uh, this as one of the songs that was done with Ace out on the stage. Since Ace wrote that intro, it would have been nice to see Ace playing it. Maybe they could have saved it for a little further in the in the show. But still, I love it. I love that Paul does that. Now it's going to get rough. You know, uh, that's Paul. That's the kind of Paul I like to see. So Rock Bottom is ninth for me. I chose it number six strictly for that intro. But I do agree with you. Um, Would have been nice to see Ace play that intro. But that intro is so classic that when it when it was played on here, you just had to smile. And it number six for me. Great, great moment. Okay. And Rick and I are twinsies because it's my number six, too. And for all the reasons you guys just listed, I mean. I just noticed that my webcam has slowly been sliding down. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, man, I'm barely in the shot anymore. What's, what the hell is going on? have that, that part of your head by the end of the video. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number 11 for me, um, it, it just falls in that mid-range, you know. Not, not the worst, not the best, but still really good, you know. So, number 11. Uh, going blind. I, I don't know what I was thinking, but um, do you love me? Okay. Uh, number four, nothing to lose. All right. And I picked number four. I predicted rock and roll all night. Number four with 651 points, the panel chose going blind. Four panel members, Perpetual Art, Jeremy Kimona, Jesse Ray, and a host – picked Going Blind as their number one song. I picked Going Blind fifth. I was so happy to see Going Blind on here. It's a deep, it's one of those deep tracks, one of those deep cuts. Uh, it's one of those, one of us mentioned earlier, I think it was Matthew, about how Gene got to show off how good he plays a bass. Mm -hmm. I love the whole little bass guitar solo at the beginning of Going Blind. And, uh, and then Gene kind of continues it in a way while he's singing. Um, it's not as quite worked out as it is in the be very beginning intro, but he's still doing it. Um, so, And Gene just sounds so good on this. It's that, that soulful Gene that I love to hear, those long, held-out notes. 
I love the way this song sounds. To me, it sounds better than it did on Hotter Than Hell. So I actually prefer this version of Going Blind over the original version. So that's why I pick it at five. It's number three for me. I remember during Revenge when they were doing like European press, there was a clip of Gene and Paul doing this acoustically on like a news show. And I fell in love with it acoustically at that moment. And hearing it on Unplugged brought back that excitement. Number three. It's my number five also. It's it's my favorite Gene spotlight for, for this. I mean, for the Unplugged album in general. I just feel like he just he just kills it on this song. It just, it gets to me. I mean, it could easily be like my number three, you know, I... I I I loved it on this. So, yeah, it's my number five. Number one for me, definitely. <clears throat> one of my favorite Kiss songs. Uh, and like you guys said, Gene, Gene is, this is the best he is on this album. He He's hitting it. He's giving the song even more depth, you know, and everything. And uh, his bass work is great on it and everything. I mean, I've just, I've always been a big fan of this song. And for it to be included here and take on a new life in this acoustic version, loved it. So, number one all the way. Okay, that brings us to the top three. So, number three prediction, Rick. Sure know something. Me too, Rick. I sure know something. Three. <laughs> uh, number three, sure know something. <laughs> Going blind for me. I'd already predicted sure know something a little further down. At 698 points, the panel chose at number three, nothing to lose. 11 panelists, Buckwheat, Keith Needu, A.J. Zetro, 1975, David King, Julian Davies, Two Gay Dads, Joel Pegg, Jay Reed, D.B. Threshold, John O., and Indy Colt, 777, picked Nothing to Lose as their favorite song. I picked it as my sixth, just because five songs pushed it to six. Uh, I think this is a great version. Um, I'm not one of those people that thinks it's sacrilegious that they let Eric sing part of this. Eric has a great voice. Eric is a phenomenal drummer. And so I was okay with him singing part of this song. Uh, but Nothing to Lose, I've always liked Nothing to Lose. And uh, I think this is a great version. It lends itself very well acoustically, believe it or not. They pulled it off very well acoustically. And... Uh, I just love when that, during the chorus it becomes a sing-along. Everybody, if you look, everybody is singing. And it's a good sing-along song. That's one thing I've always loved about Nothing to Lose. So sixth for me. Number nine for me, and that's not a dislike. Um, I totally agree with you. I love the fact that they had Eric Singer sing on it. Uh, he's got a great voice. And everyone got their shot in this song to sing. So it's not like, they took something away from Peter. Peter has great background vocals. Um, doesn't he even shout out Catman mm -hmm. during this? Mm -hmm. So I mean, it, I don't think I don't think anything of this song is a slight to those original members. Um, I just think it was a great showcase for Eric Singer. I mean, put yourself back to that night. He was the drummer of Kiss at this moment, so you know he should have, you know his time in the spotlight but it, like you said a great song 
I agree. It's, I mean, it's, it's a great song. It's, it's a fun song. It's, it's got some meat to it. It, it was my number 10, but just like you guys said, it's not a slight to it. It's just, there were others that I just, for whatever reason, at the moment that I compiled this on a different Tuesday, it may be different, but you know, that, that's where it landed for me. But I, I agree. Like, I don't understand why people want to constantly pit people against each other. I thought it was like a great like marriage of the two, like a great compromise. And, and it got, gave them a chance to, to actually play together. And to me, if you're scared of somebody that's better than you, or if you think that somebody's worse than you or whatever, it's not, they, they should feed off of each other. And I think they did on this song and it just made them both look good and it made them both look better. And, and it showed that, you know, they're, rising above any of the, you know, chatter that goes on amongst, you know, fans and this camp and that camp and kind of tried to bring them together. So I, I thought it was kind of a cool moment, you know? Yeah. Number 10 for me as well. Um, I, I, and not a slight, just like you guys said, it's, it's a great song. I, I like Ace and Peter, you know, sharing the vocals there and, and everything. I mean, not Ace, sorry. what I say? <laughs> Eric and, and Peter, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a lot of fun, you know, and uh, yeah, it's, I like the sing-along aspect, which is also funny considering what the song's about. Right. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> everybody sings along, a nice family sing-along for this song. Yeah. <laughs> Good song. I love everybody being involved. Okay. So now if you've been playing along, and you should be, um, we're down to the top two. So whenever we say what top two is, you're going to know what number one is. Uh, so what is the prediction for number two? Plastercaster. I predicted going blind. I predicted going blind as well. Ah. I predicted nothing to lose. I was close. At 720 points, breaking into the 700s, uh, the panel chose at number two, Sure Knows Something. Ten panelists, Robin Kay, Matt Yucci, Scotty Sky, Bizbag 68, Sam Loomis, Bob Nash, Daniel Bars, Stephen Goodman, Les Wadley, Roger Bennett picked Sure Know Something as their um, number one song. I picked it 13th for me. Um, it's It just got pushed down there because I love Sure Know Something on here. I love it on Dynasty. Uh, I just think that it's just a personal thing that I wished we would have had one less of this and maybe one more of something else. And the song kind of takes the brunt of that because it could have been any song, but it just got pushed down to the bottom for me. Number four for me. I love Dynasty. It's my Tide number one favorite album. Hearing this was just beautiful. It's it's such a pretty song, and uh, I even love like little touches like um, after the first verse, the late at night I still hear you call my name. Eric does this ding on the ride symbol, like, bing! It's just, it's like, so pretty. I absolutely love it. And I think, to your point, I think this was another 95 convention. Oh my gosh, people love this song, because I remember Gene mentioning that basically this was Paul rewriting Tonight You Belong to Me. Basically, Paul rewrote that riff for Sure Know Something. And I, I remember, I think it was the 95 convention that, that they used that sort of like 
conversation to play sure know something and i think i think it was due to the 95 convention wow factor that this was included and i'm just a such a dynasty fan i love this track well i i too am a dynasty fan <laughs> um, yes <laughs> yeah i that's type creatures and dynasty are my two favorite but um i love this song i've always loved this song so it's my number two I just, I love this arrangement of it. I love the guitar. I mean, every, just, I don't know. I just really love it. I, and there we are. I've always loved this song. And it's my number two. Uh, number two for me as well. Um, Dynasty is probably in my top five Kiss albums. I love this song. I love this acoustic version. I think this is Paul's best vocal on the, on the whole unplugged mm -hmm. album. And, you know, when they hit that part in the middle when they're all, uh, you know, I, I got chills like thinking of, about the video with their faces and everything. And I'm like, oh, here we get a plug version. So, you know, it's just it's great. One of my favorites on this album. I love it. So number two. All right. So that leaves us. If you've been playing along, you know what the number one is, but we'll do our prediction. So, Rick, what was your prediction for number one? Coming home. OK. Coming home. Coming home. And my prediction coming home. So, and at number one, the panel chose with 783 points, they chose Coming Home. 17 panel members, Tony P., Dylan Tucker, Aladio, Darren Helliwell, Kimchi Chris, Tony Rod, Tom Dust, Steve Hardy, Bill Sharp, Jack Skellington, Jeff Wyatt, Kyle Sch Schneider, Jay Lee, John B. Good, Kiss Carolina, Hard Rock Metalhead, Gregory Pegg, Greek Freak, all picked up. Uh, coming home as their number one. I picked it as my third. Uh, this is another one of those tracks. It was just one of my favorite tracks off of Hotter Than Hell. And um, I actually like this version better than I do the Hotter Than Hell version. Uh, and it feels very weirdly placed on Hotter Than Hell. It's the last track. It's yeah. <laughs> weird place uh, for Not it to be. Not a final song. <laughs> um and but um i love this I, I love that they reached down and pulled a deep track from such an old album not only did they pull a deep track from an old album but then they start to the show with that deep track and it kind of sets the whole mood of the album and gives you that very this is what we're going to be doing yeah we're going to throw some new stuff at you because we did just put out revenge but we're for the most part going to be doing some deep tracks that that you guys may have wanted to hear. And so um, coming home is third for me. It's number two for me tied at number one. Uh, I chose see you tonight as more personal reasons coming home would be my number one for just the amazing work of this record. I got to just give every prop to Eric Singer. I love his drumming and man, he just has, such delicious fills all the time. I saw the acoustic show at the Freedom to Rock meet and greet. And here Gene Simmons is a you know a foot away from me and I can't stop staring at Eric Singer. And he his drumming on this song is just magnificent. And I love to listen to the this song and listen to his drumming. And it was a great opener to this record. Yep. I have it as number three, and I, I agree with Rick. I mean, Eric's fills without swallowing up everything and, and just filling every hole. You know, he, he allows 
the song to breathe and then he he comes in and i mean paul's vocal kind of like kind of like you said it could easily be my number one but that my top two are more for personal reasons um but as far as just organically for this specific version of the song that that's my favorite on this album but yeah it's my number three i think it's amazing i think it sounds great yeah number three for me as well it's um you know basically my top three are all tied number ones you know Uh, it's great it's perfect you know like brent was saying perfect intro you know it was like i remember when i saw it and it was like it kicks off that and i'm like okay so this is what we're doing okay i'm you got me now you know (laughs) not your stereotypical kiss show okay good um perfect opening track and yeah i agree i mean quite an odd pick for a last place song on harder than hell you know this this is not a an outro kind of song (laughs) but uh yeah number three and easily could have been number one or number two so great great track well awesome that is the panel guys i'm gonna roll them up really quick here repeat them for those of you um who Sometimes skip to the very end. I know you do. I know you do. I see the watch minutes. I know you do. Um, number 15, Every Time I Look at You. Number 14, Domino. Number 13, I Still Love You. Number 12, Rock and Roll All Night. Number 11, World Without Heroes. Number 10, Beth. Number 9, Do You Love Me. Number 8, Plaster Caster. Number 7, See You Tonight. Number 6, 2000 Man. Number 5, Rock Bottom. Number 4, Going Blind. Number 3, Nothing to Lose. Number two, Sure Know Something. Number one, Coming Home. And that is our picks as a panel. The panel has spoken for Kiss Unplugged. And so if you don't like the way things turned out and you didn't vote, then get in on the voting on the next ones and maybe you can be an influence. Uh, The next album that we will be doing is going to be Carnival of Souls. And so Carnival of Souls came out shortly before Psycho Circus. So we'll be doing Carnival of Souls. Uh, By the time this video hits, the voting for Carnival of Souls will be up on all my social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. So be sure to jump in there and put in your lists for Carnival of Souls. So I want to thank my guests, as always, my partner in crime, Rick from It's All For You Demon. If you haven't seen his channel, definitely check it out. Go over there and click subscribe, click the notification. And when you watch his videos, when you watch my videos, Rick videos, Hargal Susan's videos, click the thumbs up too, man. Because if you just watch the video and you don't click the thumbs up, YouTube thinks you don't like it. They think you don't like it and they they will not recommend it. If I have like a thousand views, if I have a hundred views on a video and 10 likes, or they'll be like, well, this video wasn't very engaging, so we don't need to put it out to other people for them to see it. So if you like a video, it's one of the first things I usually do when the video starts, especially if it's a channel that I support, like with Rick and with Hargal, as soon as their video starts, I usually go ahead and hit the thumbs up button on it because I like for their... I like for their videos to get likes so they will get dis- distributed in the recommend, get in the algorithm, what they call it. Um, so, Rick, I do appreciate you. You got any final words? Just uh, just a, a plug of Horagal Susan's channel. Um, <laughs> I love 
her channel, especially the intro of her channel, because it totally reminds me of like the creature feature shows you would watch in the 80s as a kid. Like, I, I remember in Kansas City, we had like Cremation Mortem, I think was her name. And like the intro of her show was fun. And then, you know, just watching this this host talk about horror stuff. Um, I, I I love your channel and I just I think everyone needs to head over there and, and give it a give it a subscribe because if you if you enjoy horror films, which we all do, how can you not and be a KISS fan, you will definitely love her channel. And Matthew, uh, keep doing what you're doing with the comics. I'm looking forward to that. Susan, got anything? Oh yeah, well I I also besides Brant, Brant and I have been trying to work out, you know, being able to collaborate on something for the longest time, and and Rick, I love your channel as well. I mean, if there's any channel that will turn someone into a Kiss fan, I mean, I'm telling you, if somebody wasn't already, if you if you see this video and you're like, oh, I don't know that much about Kiss, man, he he goes through everything. So so big shout out to you. It's all for you, Dean, and so. Um, as far as, um, you know, just being able to be welcomed into the KISS community with the fact that I low-key was not, like, really putting it out there that I'm, like, a lifelong KISS fan, um, I'm just I'm just really so flattered that, like, you guys have given me such a warm welcome, and you guys are awesome, and, and you guys, whoever's watching, these guys are the real deal, like, what you see is what you get, there's no pretentious weird behind the scenes stuff or any anything like that very nice really awesome people and i like i'm just proud to like be in the circle with you guys as kiss fans so thank you for including me <laughs> awesome before we get to matthew rick you mentioned something you talked about susan's intro um it reminds me of whenever i was a kid when we first got cable it was when hbo was not even 24 hours I was probably in the third or the fourth grade. There was a station that we had on there that came out of Washington. And their their weatherman would on Saturday on Saturday nights had what they called Saturday night fright in. And uh for drive in, it was fright in. And their weather guy would dress up like he looked like Bella Lugosi as vampire as as the vampire as Dracula. He'd slick his hair back. He'd put the little things on, put the makeup and everything, and he'd put the the cape with the high collar. And he hosted uh, horror movies. And I can still see that visual. I can still see that guy in my head. It was just real cool. That kind of brought brought that memory back. So Matthew, what about you? Well, it's funny you guys mentioned horror movie hosts, honestly, because I lived in Virginia in the early 2000s, and when I lived there, there was a horror movie host called Dr. Madblood that was on a local station up there, and he had been doing it since 1975, and he's still doing it to this day. He does a yearly Halloween show on their local PBS station uh, where he shows, like, old movies and everything. He used to show, like, Night Gallery and Alfred Hitchcock Presents and stuff, but we actually interviewed him for our horror magazine. So he's going to, an interview with him is going to be an issue three or four, Dr. Cool. Madblood. So it's kind of cool that we, we brought this up, but, um, but yeah, I, I can't thank you guys enough. You know, I look forward to y'all's videos. I watch them all the time. I mean, you know, cause I comment on every one of them and probably 
you know, you can tell when I go on a little binge and catching up with videos because you get about 20 comments from me in the span of like, you know, an hour. But it's like, you know, I like I said before, I just happened to find Rick online because I, I'm a huge Phantom of the Park fan and just happened to Google Phantom of the Park one day and his YouTube videos popped up and then I found Brant's videos because of that. And, you know, I, I'm glad to have met you guys and been included. And, you know, some of the people who follow you have started following me and, you know, we just chat Kiss and we chat chat horror stuff and comics and everything and you know honestly i've talked to casey about us starting a youtube channel for saturday comics as well so we can talk about those things as well that'd be sweet um, that'd be yeah. yeah so you know coming up she, she's got a little break coming up when uh when she's done with her finals so we might be able to maybe start something where we will do that talk comics talk you know comic stuff talk horror talk music and all kind of stuff you know and uh everything that our comics are kind of about so but yeah, thank you guys. I can't, you know, thank you enough. I, I have a lot of fun doing this. I've been looking forward to this all week. You know, we're stuck inside. I got to have something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to be with me to prepare for this and then also be in the video. And I, I thank you all for joining. And um, that's all we got for this one. So Thank you guys for watching. Like I said, be sure to click the thumbs up button. Be sure to hit subscribe for any of us. Be sure to hit the notification bell so you find out when more of these come out. That's all we got. That's Unplugged. And this has been The Panel Has Spoken. So we'll see you in the next one, guys. Thanks for watching. Okay. We're going to roll the way we are on the screen. We're going to go from Rick to, to uh, Sandy, to Susan, to Matthew. All right. So, I may just point at you, Sandy. Otherwise, I'm on Susan. He Sandy again. Hold on just a second. Change the name of your channel now. Horror gal Sandy. All right, everybody take a drink every time you says Sandy. Yeah, yeah take a drink every time I call her Sandy by mistake. Ha, ha, ha.